Welcome everyone to On the Power Play episode 12, episode 1-2. We're back at it. It's me, Brian. I'm here with Matt and Adam. Say what's up, boys. What's up? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Uh, so I, I came into this episode with a little bit of a surprise for Adam. So uh, Adam, Adam, kind of uh, like myself, we have we have kind of multiple like fandoms of hockey teams throughout the NHL. I'm obviously a Flyers fan first and foremost uh, till I die. Um, however, I have other teams that I like kind of kind of follow and enjoy, and mostly I attach myself to those teams via the goaltender. And so I am currently wearing a Minnesota Wild quarter zip. Uh, two two reasons here. Uh, first and foremost, it was eight dollars at TJ Maxx, and it's an NHL licensed quarter zip. What the hell? You, you're never going to find anything licensed by the NHL for eight dollars, so take it while you can get it. Is basically my thought process. And number two is Alex Stalock. Reminds me a lot of how I had to play when I was a goaltender because of his size. He's five nine. I'm five ten. Uh, he's very aggressive, kind of, kind of almost Tim Thomas, floppy all over the place type of deal. And uh, I mean, I know Adam, you have a lot invested in Alex Stalock, considering he played his career in San Jose and Minnesota. Uh, I mean, yes, but I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of him. If I'm being perfectly honest, you don't I, like my boy Alex Stalock. I haven't been a fan of a backup Sharks goaltender since I've been a Sharks fan. I, it's, I don't know. I haven't trusted any backup since ever. All right. Well, since now, <laughs> since now. Yeah. But either, either way, um, I basically look like a bench coach <laughs> for the Minnesota wild right now. Uh, it's very comfortable though. Like it's lined, very soft on the inside and, and I love it. Uh, it looks so very warm. It's, it's nice and toasty. Uh, also this quarter zip, uh, you know, it can go from, you know, being a coach to, uh, to uh, a little bit, a little bit of chest hair oh, for, hell the, yeah. for the people, you know, I kind of, it's probably a good thing we do a podcast instead of a video cast. Cause that was, that was just bad. <laughs> <laughs> At least you heard oh. the zipper. Yeah. Right. You heard the zipper. That's <laughs> that added the suspense. You, we didn't tell you this episode is going up on YouTube. Oh no, you, you forgot to mention. In fact, oh, what's my fault? <laughs> All righty. Let's get into some hockey. I usually uh, start the episode with some COVID updates, but as of right now, there are none to report except for players returning to their teams, which is really nice to hear. And uh, a, a very good to hear the uh, NHL is kind of getting over that, that bad kind of uh, breakout they had throughout the league there. So hopefully the, that's going to turn around and they'll, they'll go kind of a um, little easier down the, down the stretch here. Uh, it's good that this happened, I guess, earlier in the year so that it didn't really impact too heavily playoff implications because that would have really sucked for for the teams that ended up happening to but i have no COVID updates which is super nice uh what we are going to start doing me and the boys here is we're going to start uh breaking down a division each episode so we're going to like uh start off the episode we're just going to talk about a division kind of give our feedback of what we're thinking and and kind of run with that so we're going to start with the west division it's just division we feel most comfortable and apt to talk about right now. Maybe have a segue there. Thanks to Adam for for bringing up the segues there. Way to go. Segway, 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 man. Segway like a mall cop. It's great. Oh, yeah. Call me Paul Blart. Paul Blart. (laughs) (laughs) I love that movie. I love Paul Blart Mall Cop. (laughs) All right. Let's let's give it a talk about. I'm going to run through how the standings look currently and then hear your guys' reaction here. So we got the Golden Knights in first place, followed by the Blues and the Avalanche, followed, uh, followed up there by the LA Kings, the Arizona Coyotes, the Minnesota Wild, the San Jose Sharks, and the Anaheim Ducks. Should be bad. Um, so my initial reaction is actually, if you look at the points, I'm slightly surprised. The Golden Knights are only one point above the Blues at 23. The Blues have 22. And the Avalanche, Kings, and Coyotes all have 19 points with the Wild right behind them at 18 points. This is a way tighter division than I had expected, especially when you throw the Kings into the mix, who uh, I think we talked about last episode, freezing cold take out of me for putting them in last. Um, So what is your guys' (laughs) initial reaction to how tight this division actually is? I mean, even the Avalanche being tight with 
three teams no one thought that they'd be within uh, eye shot of. You can go, Adam, being a wet Sharks fan and fan of the West. Um, I would say I'm not at all surprised by the top three. Um, I mean, I'm looking. I'm actually looking at a predictions right now, and that is pretty much how our top three is stacked up. Not in that order, but uh, it's pretty much there. I'm the only outlier because I have the Sharks at three, which. Hey, we told you that was a bold pick from from the gate, though. We we made I, sure yeah. you were aware. I mean, that, if that I'm was being a honest, pick. if I'm being fair, we still have a shot because, I mean, we're still two points away from the wild, which means we're still like four points away from being in that mess of a th- three-way tie. Almost a four-way tie if you really Almost look a at four it that way. way. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're still there. I still have faith. But I'm the, not- the fact that the Sharks are three points away from the Avalanche is something that needs to be discussed because that <laughs> is wild. The fact that the Ducks – are only two wins away from the avalanche point total is crazy to think about in total. Yeah, um, I would agree. Um, other than that, I think the biggest shock for me, uh, LA, I kind of feel like was in a Chicago situation where they have all the pieces to still be good. Uh, they just weren't producing. Um, and then we now see those pieces all producing. Uh, Arizona and I think even Minnesota are my biggest shocks, I think, out of this division. I did not expect to see them anywhere near really this close to a playoff spot. Yeah, and and bringing up the Kings, uh, I feel like someone put the defibrillator on Jonathan Quick this season. He's got a 5-2-2 record, a 2-8-2 goals against, a .903 save percentage. He looks like an actual goalie right now, which I feel like we haven't seen out of Jonathan Quick since the cup runs. Uh, so that, that one kind of struck me as a surprise, at least a little bit, um, just because I, I didn't see it coming at all. Um, I, and their, their other goaltender Peterson is also stepping up, uh, and, and getting them wins enough wins to have them in a three-way tie for third place. Uh, so whoopsies on my part on that pick. Hockey's a wild sport. It's hard. It's honestly, it's a hard sport to predict. Like. I feel like you could predict a sport like football better than you could probably predict a sport like uh, hockey. I almost said soccer. I don't know what's going on with me. Well, the <laughs> thing, the thing about like hockey, and I don't know if you guys agree, cause you know, I also follow football and I'm a fan of football, but the thing of hockey is you're right. It's harder to predict. And I think that's because crazier things can happen with that small rubber disc than with a football. You know, crazier things can happen when there's no quarterback in hockey who kind of controls all of play like there is in football. It's everybody having to be on the same page in the right uh, in the right spots of the ice. The puck goes off the right player, goes off the right side of the post to go in the net or out of the net. Um, There's a lot more variables to chaos in hockey than there is in football, in my personal opinion. I don't know if you guys agree. I would Um, agree with you there. Yeah. But Matt, what are you what are you seeing here in the West? I mean, I know you don't have like a whole lot of stock invested in the West, but it's kind of well, wild to see it, this type of a race, especially some of the uh, some of the series. Uh, a lot a lot of the teams on the West are playing. Um, like not too long ago, the Sharks and the Coyotes were playing were sharing a building, and um, the Blues and the Coyotes played that seven game series which was unbelievable like a seven game regular season series like could go any which direction it was kind um, of fun to watch though me being a kind of a secondary blues fan it was pretty fun to watch them play the same team over and over again a lot of animosity in that series and of course the colorado uh vegas series that just happened which the third game was played at uh, lake tahoe you got to really see like a lot of these games have that playoff feel that these teams don't like each other and they're, they know they're going to be playing, playing one another a lot this year. So it's exciting to see that playoff field come out of the West. You know, I'm more of a, being a diehard Flyers fan, I'm more focused on the East. So, but it's yeah. a different year, you know, it is. It's a, and it's a know- different year. The beauty of it is because of the different year, I would say the hockey is better to watch because of the animosity. I mean, these guys are playing playoff hard night in and night out. 
because they just straight up hate these teams. They hate playing in the same buildings over and over again. They hate the guys they're playing against because now we're getting into the game three or four range against these teams, at least for, you know, teams that really didn't have any COVID issues. Cause obviously the, the schedule got all kind of, all kind of fucky, especially with the whole blues and coyote situations. But uh, teams that didn't have any COVID issues are kind of getting to that game three, game four range where it's starting to like really set in like the kind of the hatred for a couple of guys on the ice between each other and the, and the sheer hard hitting hockey. Uh, I, I think it's kind of made hockey across all of the divisions, a little bit more interesting to watch. I think these divisions that they have set here are like a lot more even than some of the divisions in regular play. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I feel like because of these restructurings, I think it's actually like a little bit more competitive in these divisions. I could see that. Yeah. And then especially in the division we're talking about right now, the West, I mean, who oh, yeah. saw this coming, you know, and, uh, it's, just, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's just a shame. There aren't fans at these uh, games. I know there's a couple fans in Arizona and, um, I think Arizona, that's the only team in the West that allows fans. But it's uh, just – I feel like I saw people at the Blues game. I could be confusing that with when they played Arizona, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, probably when they were in Arizona's building. I think in the West, I think it's only Arizona that has, has fans uh, there. I do know that there are a lot of teams that are um, requesting the ability to have fans in their stadiums, um, requesting to the state to have that happen. Um, but yeah, Matt, you're right. It does kind of stink that there's no fans. Cause I feel like the fans would be all over this. They would just be eating this up. Um, and hopefully as vaccines roll out and the summer comes along, uh, it's, it's a doable thing. Mostly so that the three of us can go to a game together. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. that's, that's the dream. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a Flyers game. Just any form of hockey, really. I, can, I would we go gotta, and watch. We got to live the dream. We got to <laughs> live the dream. Uh, speaking of the dream and someone from the West, Mark andre Fleury will not go away. That is his net and his net to own for as long as he wants to almost. Uh, his stat line so far this year, 8-3-0, a 1-5-5 goals against average, and a 9-4-2 save percentage. And he's 36 years old. Flower has constantly throughout his career, especially when Pittsburgh gave him up to the Vegas Golden Knights, has shown why that was maybe one of the dumbest moves the Pittsburgh Penguins could have made, uh, which low-key kind of makes me a little happy on the inside because I love Flower so much more now that he is not a Penguin. Uh, watching him play is incredible, especially at his age, at 36. Now it's not old by any means, but for a goaltender, which is a very physically taxing position, a 36 year old dominating night in and night out like this is incredible to watch. And then also they have Robin Leonard who is doing perfectly fine on his own. The Panda himself. Uh, They have a really nice goaltending tandem out there in Vegas and obviously they're in first place. So it's showing. Um, I just feel like I had to talk about, flowers resurgence it wasn't even a research it's just flower continuing to be an incredible goaltender uh, what are your guys opinion on this because i mean for a goaltender that's a pretty old age 36 i'll start off adam um so you know when mark andre Fleury left pittsburgh and went to uh vegas they went on that deep playoff run and it really seemed like Mark andre Fleury was the face of the Vegas Golden Knight. I mean, he was their first overall pick. So he was definitely, definitely felt like the face of that team that year and one of the big leaders on the squad to take him on a deep playoff run that led to a Stanley Cup berth. Um, you know, that article last year when he lost the net to Robin Leonard, and his agent came out saying he, he wasn't happy about it and this, that, this, that, you know, agent talk. Uh, it, re- it really didn't seem like it, it settled well with Flurry because it seems like he likes Robin Leonard. Like, there are no problems there at all. They get along great. They're a good goalie tandem. But you, you know – he just wants to be a starter. Every goaltender wants to be a starter, but when you have a position like the goaltender, kind of like quarterback, 
there's got to be one number one. It's a big time. See, here's – I kind of – I agreed with you up until that last point, and, and here's why. And I feel, I feel like I brought this up before, but I'll reiterate it. I feel like in today's NHL, you are – you need a 1A and 1B. You don't need a bona fide starter. You need a 1A and a 1B, and that's kind of the situation that Vegas has, which is awesome. Um, the drama of the bubble kind of eh, – it was a little fishy. Uh, personally, I feel like it was mostly caused by Flowers' agent uh, by tweeting that that um, that photo of – that cartoon photo of uh, Flurry being stabbed in the back with a cartoon sword or knife or whatever that was. Because um, the, there has been interviews uh, with Flowers since then, and he's come out and said like – look, I have no problem with Robin. We get along just fine. Uh, the issue is definitely not with Flower and Robin Leonard. They absolutely have no issues with each other, which is great. Um, however, I think the era of the bona fide starter has kind of come and gone. Um, I think if you're going to be a successful team, have a deep playoff run, you need a 1A and a 1B. Um, do you, do you, think, going, that, yeah. Go do you think there's a problem with, having a do you think a goaltender problem is a big problem to have uh a goaltender problem is like, almost the biggest problem you could have absolutely but not knowing who's your starter as in that problem um i think that kind of all depends uh it, for example the tampa bay lightning they're an example of a team that has a bona fide starter and did win a cup however that bona fide starter is by far and wide the best goaltender in the league Andre Vasilevsky that's kind of a special circumstance if you don't have a goaltender talent like Andre Vasilevsky you don't have a bona fide starter so you better have a 1A and a 1B uh, I don't think it's a problem to not have a bona fide starter uh, however I think it's a problem if you have a 1A and then a 2 I think that is an issue uh, Adam, you're shaking your head. I feel like you, you agree here. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think uh, definitely that the NHL is moving to a place now where you need to have a 1A or a 1B goaltender. And I think Vegas is in that position to a great extent. I mean, looking at uh, Leonard's stats, you know, they're okay. They're not great. Not something I would almost look at as a, as a 1B, but they're still good enough that you know, Vegas is going to be able to get some wins. Uh, I feel like if you're going to go with a Tampa Bay goaltending situation, you have to have a team in front of that goaltender that'll back that up, or at least yeah. I'm in front of the backup goaltender that'll back that up. If you don't have that, you're not making a great push for the playoffs. You can still make it to the playoffs, but you're not going to make it deep. Yeah. Um, uh, myself in, in my goaltending career, I was pretty much, uh, I was the one B and or the two. Um, I was not a superstar. I was a consistent would give up one to three goals a night, really nothing more, nothing less. I didn't pitch many shutouts. Uh, if there was a one a in front of me, we, we won an incredible amount of games. Um, if there was not a one a in front of me and you had a one B and then me at a two, we struggled. Um, so you're right. I think obviously defense in front of goaltending matters exponentially. Uh, you can ask Carter Hart himself. He's kind of been struggling with the whole defense in front of him thing. Um, but the, I would consider the Flyers as an example of a 1A, 1B team. Uh, Brian Elliott has solidified himself as a solid 1B. And obviously Carter Hart is the, is the 1A. Uh, Matt, I'm going to go to you with that one. Uh, do you agree with my assessment there? Absolutely. Like yeah. No, but Brian Elliott isn't isn't threatening the taking away the starter position. Would you agree with that? No, I mean I agree with you. But what I'm saying is, is I feel like uh, for that example, and the way that Elaine Vigneault runs a team, there isn't a starter. There's right. your one A and your one B. Uh, right. As much as pretty much. It's, it's but, confirmed that almost night in and night out, most of the time you're going to see Carter Hart and net. You're not going to be like, hey, uh, Brian, you're you're the backup. No, no, no. Brian, yeah, El Brian Elliott's your solid 
secondary starter is what there are doing. situations in there's when in this league where the backup goaltender could contend for the job for the starting position i like would say that's dallas, going on in, in dallas and vancouver and yeah. vegas possibly obviously we're talking about how great mark andre Fleury is doing and he's taking over that net so it seems like robin leonard is a backup but last year it was it was switched robin leonard was the star and mark andre Fleury was the great backup mm-hmm. so I guess that is a great, great thing to have, especially when you can flip flop like that. But it it leaves a window for problems to have. It, it does, and you're right when you compared it to the whole quarterback situation. It it, it could be an issue. I mean, ask the Eagles. It, it was a major issue. Don't ask um, the Eagles. Don't yeah. ask the Eagles. Yeah. So. When it comes down to it, I feel like as a team, you're far more comfortable if you have a 1A, 1B in today's NHL, and you're a little less comfortable if you have a bona fide starter and a backup um, because of those situations that can happen. If you have two goalies that can night in and night out give you a chance to win no matter who is in net, you're a far more comfortable team than if your bona fide starter gets hurt and you now have a full-blown backup in that you know yeah i know yeah yeah so may, to, yeah, yeah yeah go ahead before yeah. we get before we get too far from this uh if i may as the outside uh hockey fan looking into the flyers organization shouldn't brian elliott actually be fighting for that starting job just based on the stats i'm looking at right now i feel like i said like i said that's the last thing you want really uh, so, I'm just basing it yeah. purely off stats, but I mean, looking at it, I feel like Brian Elliott with his play thus far, I don't know, you know, what the breakdown is. If it's like Elliott gets a start, then Carter gets like the next three, for example. That's pretty much the breakdown that's been going on. Yeah. I would honestly, I would almost flip that or cut that three down to two or even alternate because at this point, I feel like you're hurting. Again, this is me being the sad guy. Uh, I feel like you're hurting Carter's confidence more, which in turn could hurt his growth in the long term by having him constantly seemingly almost take these L's or not putting up stats that the fans for one, which would put pressure on him, but for two, um, the performances he feels like he should be putting on as that bona fide starter. Uh, I totally uh, see what you're saying Um, from you could you could call me a Flyers insider if you want to. You could just call me a fan. Whatever it is you want to you want to say, and we'll 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 try to keep the the Flyers talk short here. But uh, when it comes down to it, Carter Hart's been known as kind of uh, when he's down, he comes back with a vengeance. We saw it last year on multiple occasions. Uh, so I don't think it's much hurting his confidence. Um, I can see what you're saying because Brian Elliott's stats are incredible as far as this year has gone. However, Brian Elliott has been very vocal about how comfortable he is in trying to grow Carter Hart to being a stud and how he's comfortable in the one B situation. Brian Elliott at his age and his skill level is very comfortable with playing once every four to five nights. Uh, He's, he's been great in that role and I think he's super comfortable in it. Um, Matt, you agree there? He's very adaptable, which makes him, He's one of the most adaptable goalies I can see in the league, which you can really count count on him on a whole lot of situations. So, yeah, I agree. If you're going to consider Brian Elliott a backup, you might as well consider him like one of the top five backup goaltenders in the league with what he's put together this year. Um, There are a lot of teams that would probably put him at starter, but those teams obviously don't have uh, Carter Hart um, in in their – their locker room so that's what kind of changes that by the way this whole goaltender talk thing i am so here for i am so happy we're doing this okay Uh, i am so happy uh to touch on a couple of things and actually two more goaltenders here um king henrik is back on the ice which is an incredibly beautiful sight um and and even you know people that follow the east uh even though he kind of ravaged the east as an incredible goaltender for many many years uh it's something incredible to see because he is greatness Uh, at its core Henrik Lundqvist is and was greatness first ballot hall of famer even though he doesn't have a ring or he does have a ring. Did he, does he have a doesn't ring? Have a ring. Does he not does have not a have ring. a ring. I didn't think so. Uh, but make one more crack at it if he can. 
Hopefully he can, uh, but he is back on the ice two months after his heart surgery. Uh, it says here, thanks to the New York Post, the legendary Rangers goaltender who signed with the Capitals during the offseason after having the final year of his contract bought out, shared video of him in full gear on an ice workout seven weeks after he underwent open heart surgery. Uh, he was quoted on the post saying, the best type of work day, exclamation point. Um, and and it's it's incredible to see that seven weeks after you had open heart surgery on something that could have possibly killed you, you're back at it doing exactly what you love. He's in his, he's in his capitals pads. He's in his capitals practice Jersey. And he's, and it looks like he's practicing with, uh, I'm not quite sure who's taking shots on him. It doesn't look like it's a capitals player by any means, but it looks like someone that is definitely giving him a challenge. So he's not just on the ice to be on the ice. He's on the ice to get back on, on that NHL roster, uh, which actually I think would be a huge boost for the capitals at this moment. Um, But we just had to touch on that because that's something incredible to see. Uh, We, we, we love that kind of story. uh, The whole comeback story, but another story that we love and we have to talk about it is the anniversary of David Ayers' play in a Toronto Maple Leafs and Carolina Hurricanes game uh, back in February of 2020. So here's what happened. David Ayers was the Zamboni driver and emergency backup for their for the Toronto Maple Leafs um, as a Zamboni driver and the emergency backup for not only the Toronto Maple Leafs, but also the Toronto Marlies who he would actually practice with on a regular basis. Um, it came down to it that the Carolina hurricanes, however, both of their goaltenders got injured. Um, probably, probably it was it, that game. It was that game. Yes. Both of them got injured in that game. Probably I'd say about 10 minutes left in the third period. Um, oh, in the second, well, second actually. Cause I think he in was- the second, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. In the second period. Um, and this guy's 42 years old. He's definitely not the greatest Zamboni driver. The 42 year old Zamboni driver, David Ayers has to go downstairs, put his pads on and suit up against not only his hometown team, but his boyhood team who he cheered on growing up. He had to suit up against them and his employer and his employer. I might add the person that signs his check week to week. He had to play against and what he really could have done is he could have gone full homer and let in every single shot that was shot on him. But no, David Ayers had integrity and he let in two goals, I believe. One goal. I, I think it was two goals. It I'll was see two goals. He let in two goals, but still held down the fort, made a couple incredible saves to hold on for a 6-3 Carolina Hurricanes victory. He is in Carolina Hurricanes folklore. He is in everybody's folklore. Uh, We just had to touch base on the incredible journey of the 42-year-old Zamboni driver, David Ayers. Not to mention... It's uh, the dream. It's the dream. That Sportsnet actually put up a little mini like documentary for like um, Hometown Heroes on David Ayers. Uh, I think it was like just last week. Uh, and the story behind this guy, like he had, I don't know what it was. You have to go watch it. Uh, definitely go watch it because it was a great story. Um, but he was talking about, he had, a oh, I think it was kidney failure or something to that effect um, where he was playing juniors, uh, didn't, you know, was trying to make his way in the league or just in hockey in general, really uh, had this medical problem. I believe his mother had to, you know, donate her kidney uh, to, you know, save his life. Thankfully, it held. Uh, he went on, did all the things, you know, he did before the game, uh, started working for Toronto and all that, played the game, had all that fun stuff. And then after all that, he got to take shots against Steve Dangle. <laughs> yes, he did. Steve um, Dangle got to try and get some revenge. Steve Dangle, uh, for those of you that don't know who he is, he is a very famous Toronto Maple Leafs um Reporter, insider, podcaster, pretty much all things fan. Toronto. Fan, super fan, if you will, uh, which is kind of a really unfortunate life to live, but I digress. Um, <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> um, but he he was uh, very famous for his rant about the David Ayers situation, screaming like a little girl about how his beloved Maple Leafs lost to a 42-year-old Zamboni driver, who, by the way, they pay. 
on on their home ice, on their home ice, on their home ice. Yes, in in Toronto, in Toronto, in front of their hometown fans who pay the most tickets, most ticket price in anyone in the league. Actually, I believe Vancouver has the most expensive ticket prices. If I'm not mistaken, oh, do they really? I think British Columbia is just a very expensive town. If I'm not going to lie to you. yeah, but that, that had to be touched on because what a great story. Uh, for those of you that don't know the story and the ins and outs of it, uh, listen to Adam. Go watch that uh, Sportsnet uh, mini doc because it it's really cool. The story, His story is honestly incredible, and it's, it's really awesome. Uh, another anniversary to touch base on 40 years ago, the USA beat the Soviets in 1980 in the Miracle on Ice game in Lake Placid, New York. Uh, for those of you that kind of need a, a longer story on that, we're really not going to get into it because Disney g- did a great job for us. The movie is called Miracle. I highly suggest watching it. Uh, that's all the story you need. And if that doesn't give you the feel-good butterflies, I can't help you. <laughs> Apparently, you don't know what happiness is. I don't know. Isn't how to there a good you. thirty for thirty on it too? There's a great thirty for thirty on it actually as well. So. Literally, you could just look it up on YouTube and watch multiple videos on how cool it was. You don't even have to watch the movie just because if I know people that don't like movies. So go to YouTube. It's everywhere. Trust me. Whole arguably the most iconic moment in hockey history. Arguably the most iconic moment in American hockey history. And boys, can I ask a question? You can ask all the questions you want, Adam. Open podcast. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Every every day, man. Every, every day, day. Every <laughs> I day. need one every day. Uh, yeah, I, I, a good miracle per day would be great. So, just like the Grateful Dead song, I need a miracle. And, and, I need and the, a miracle. The beauty that you people can't see is the fact that uh, Matt here is wearing a Grateful Dead gritty T-shirt, which is <laughs> incredible. It's the Gritful Dead, it says on there. Uh <laughs> That just that is the most matte T-shirt I have ever seen it's, in my life. No, it's I feel, true. I feel I feel very comfortable wearing it. I feel that like is, I'm in that uniform. is such a you a you T-shirt. I mean, I don't think they could have made a T-shirt for somebody more than that T-shirt being made for you. True. Uh, with your love for the Grateful Dead and the Flyers, that's just what a perfect combo for you. I try not to wear it all the time. You just should yeah. just just ride into the storm. <laughs> sure. Just wash it every night. Wear it every day. Yeah, but it's a great If you keep t-shirt. washing it, it's going to be trashed eventually. Eventually, but like it's still going to be a beautiful a thing. When, when, it, when it becomes that kind of unwearable phase, but you can still see what's going on on the t-shirt, are you going to frame it? I feel like that's something you should frame. Oh, my God. That's a frameable item. I'll, I'll see when the time comes. Okay. Yeah. Just, just definitely give us an update. Cause you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that together. We'll frame it together, buddy. I, I'll be there for that. Okay? I still have this epic picture. I'll show it to you. It's one of a kind. It's from 2003, 2003. Oh, no. Going way back. It is South. Going way back. You got the spectrum. The oh, bet, the spectrum still the center, there. Oh, hell yeah. the, spe- the bank and the link, the short uh, time. A short time in 2003 when all five were standing. We're still standing before yeah, the bed really got blown up, up, before before the spectrum got blown up, and now there's only three. Uh, but we do have Xfinity Live, so that's kind of cool. Um, so to, to move on to other news around the NHL, uh, New York Rangers' Artemi Panarin is in a little bit of trouble uh, from his motherland of Russia. Uh, According to ESPN here, uh, quote, the news comes after Russian newspaper published allegations from Panarin's former KHL coach, Andre Nazarov, claiming the winger got into a physical altercation with an 18 year old woman in Latvia in 2011. Nazarov's interview said Panarin, quote, sent her to the floor with several powerful blows unquote according to a translation provided to espn nazarov had previously criticized panarin's outspoken beliefs towards russian president vladimir putin uh from everything i can understand um this is a fabricated lie uh that artemi is not the type of person that would do this and that this is literally just because he has different political views than the rest of russia um it's scary it's scary to have different political views than the ones in russia because it, it of is how it's and, run. 
And honestly, we can see that now. And it kind of stinks for the Rangers because if you really think about it, Artemi Panarin is by far and wide their best player. Um, you could maybe make an argument for a couple of the guys in that really team, is. but as far as a point producer, Artemi Panarin is the best the Rangers have. And he had to take a leave because he has to go back to Russia to fix this situation. So who knows exactly how long that leave will be because it doesn't specify how long he'll be gone. It says he's taking a leave of absence. Uh, so this could have impacts on the Rangers hopes to maybe push something into the playoffs. I don't really expect something like that to happen. Uh, but in the, in the standings right now, they're uh, what looks like four points back of the fourth place spot. So it's not like it's undoable, but still losing a guy like Artemi is, is heart shattering and backbreaking for the Rangers organizations. How do you guys feel about this? Cause this is kind of a weird situation where po- politics has kind of met, uh, met the NHL and we don't want to get too far into politics, but this is, this is something we have to talk about. Yeah. I hate the Rangers. So uh, everyone knows that, but uh, Artemi Panarin has always been a fun player to watch in this league. He's always been a good sport and a great representation of what this game's about. And I said it again, I'll say it again, Russia is a scary place. And when you go against its leaders, it gets even scarier. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world either. Yeah, the Russians will find you. Uh, Adam, what do you, what do you got here? I mean, pretty much the same thing. Uh, pretty much. I think the biggest takeaway for me though, is that, you know, the organization and the team is all standing behind him. They're not you know, keeping quiet, keeping hush hush about it, which I feel like sometimes you'll see in situations like that. You won't see uh, the team or even the teammates take a stand one way or the other. They'll just kind of, you know, not they'll just push through it. They won't uh, ignore it, but they won't acknowledge it too much. And I kind of like the fact that a lot of his teammates and the team especially came out and pretty much stood behind him and say, hey, you know, this is the situation. We stand behind him 100% and that's how it's going to be until we figure out what's going on. And I commend the Rangers organization for doing that. I too commend the Rangers organization. And Matt, I know as much as you hate the Rangers, which is all fine and dandy, I get it. Uh, But the organization standing behind their player like that is uh, something you don't really see too often from organizations to really put their name behind a player like that. So it's, it's really cool to see. How about the amount, the amount of crap they've had to deal with this season? Yeah, seriously. Rangers are, they're just taking blows left and right. The Tony D'Angelo situation, the Artemi Panarin situation, the fact that Lafreniere isn't what they thought he would be out of the gate. Uh, It's almost like an Arizona Coyote situation. I mean, they're running into trouble too, left and right. Um, But to move away from all the Russia stuff, uh, we have an incredible thing that happened this last weekend um, that I believe some of us have different opinions on. The games at Lake Tahoe, Uh, Two of them were played between the uh, Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights and also the Boston Bruins and the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, There's a couple storylines here that we need to talk about. Um, First and foremost, I got I have written down Gary Bettman versus the sun. And let me just kind of explain how this went. Okay, so here's (laughs) here's the quote. Yeah, it went south quick. Here's the quote. So there was a eight hour pause on Saturday's game between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche uh, because the sun and temperatures hovering around freezing led to a poor ice condition uh, because usually for good ice condition, you have to be well below freezing. Uh, so Gary was interviewed live during that. And uh, he said, um, we've done uh, we've done over 30 outdoor games. This has been the most difficult weather circumstance we've had. And it's a beautiful day. Here's where it gets funny. But if you look up at the sun, the cloud cover is everywhere but where the sun is. And it did a number on the ice. Why, yes, Gary, that is in fact how the sun works. It shines on planet Earth (laughs) so that we can live. Gary, I'm very proud of you for identifying that. Good for you, buddy. I mean, come on. Dude, what? The only issue i have with the games being at lake tahoe because it was a beautiful view i'll get into that kind of stuff gorgeous as we go on the only problem i have with it being at lake tahoe is you have plenty other places that are very cold right now 
that are just as beautiful where you wouldn't have run into this ice condition situation. I get it. It's February. It's not how you usually do it in December when it's really cold. But there are plenty of places in North America where you could have done this game where there wouldn't have been a, a ice condition problem. Uh, that's really the only uh, quarrel I have with it. I loved the Lake Tahoe games. There's a lot of funny storylines we're going to get into. Um, but Matt, I know that you have beef with the Lake Tahoe games. I got I got to find out what the what the beef here is. I I don't have beef, man. I try not to have beef in my life. Besides when I'm eating burgers, you know. But uh, got to have some beef it, there, you know. It you was just a, bit. it was just a colossal. <laughs> I commend the NHL for trying to pull off an event like this in the middle of a pandemic. That that is hard to do, but this was just a colossal disaster. This, this how, the fact how is that it? How is it a colossal disaster though? That's kind of where I'm confused. They couldn't bring into effect that if they do have perfect conditions, it's going to absolutely destroy their playing environment. He didn't take. I guarantee you that that Gary Batman and Ring. The uh, guys who build the ranks didn't take an effect that they are well above sea level in Utah. They are well above sea level. So what when they're that means they're closer to their sun. So the rays is a lot more powerful. Nathan McKinnon said this in his post game is that it can be a certain degree, like temperature wise, but it will feel much hotter. But because you are closer to the sun, and it just absolutely really did a number on the ice surface and both games were scheduled on NBC your prime time station it, there were going to be no people there to actually view and buy a ticket to go to the game so viewership was important and what happens in the first game they have to delay it to tw- midnight eastern standard time and that is absolutely not what Gary Bettman wanted to do Gary Bettman wanted to have as much much viewership as possible because that was the only chance of really having this thing go off with it, go off well. And also, of course, I'm Flyers fan. I'm butthurt. We were missing all our all our lot of our leaders. We got smoked. Not fun. Absolutely shellacked. Not not fun getting your ass kicked on national television when you kind of knew that hey that might happen. And it's just, you know, it's a, so much hype for just a regular season game. Well, you could argue that every outdoor game is so much hype for a regular season game, though. I, I am. I am. You went to one, though. You said it was I went incredible. to one. It was fun, but it's such a big event for a regular season game that happens in a normal season 82 times a year. And in this one, 56. So it's just, you know, it, it comes and goes. It comes and then it's gone. And then it's like, wow, that's in the past. So it's a lot of hype. It's cool if you win. It's not really cool if you lose, especially if you don't, you know, get get slacked like the Flyers did. But I feel like that's just Fish's main from- problem here. I feel like that. I feel like we've kind of gotten to the center of an issue you here. Boys, I promise you, boys, I'd be saying relatively the exact same thing, even if it was a close game, and even if the Flyers won, I'd be saying the same problems. It's just so much rides on the fact that the weather needs to be good, and the this just proves that even if the weather is perfect, bad things might actually happen. Well, clearly, I, I don't even think the weather was perfect because I'm. It was perfect. I, I could have sworn I heard the opposite. Where well, the weather. What he's saying is the weather was perfectly beautiful. Uh, yes. Not not for ice hockey, but just weather in general. But so you need to say the weather is relatively mildly crappy for it to be good hockey weather. Yeah, well, something like that. I feel like I feel like the forecasts that they had before the game and the forecasts they got at the game, based on the information I heard, were not completely different but they were expecting not what they got they were expecting much colder weather uh because of cloud coverage that didn't happen uh they were kind of riding off the fact that it was supposed to be cloudy but as you could tell from gary's statement uh, the clouds were not covering the sun 
His blunt statement. <laughs> he explained. He mean, explained what on. he could have seen on oh. a camera shot. I was working for most of the game. I, I I was lucky enough. I got to catch the the rest of Vegas, Colorado. But the little bit I did see, I enjoyed, and I enjoy every outdoor game. I've been privileged to not have to work during. So I, I thought it was good on them for being able to pull it off. You know, with you know the situations they had. Yeah, I, I would I would be inclined to agree. Uh, a couple of the storylines to hit on. Um, <laughs> uh, the one being Alex Petrangelo. Uh, he was mic'd up for the game. And uh, he was on the ice playing defense against Colorado Avalanche. And uh, Jarek McKinnon, not Jarek McKinnon, Nathan McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon is a running back in the NFL. What are you doing, Brian? He's a good running back, too. We're losing it. Yeah, we're losing it tonight. Uh, Nathan McKinnon gets the puck at probably his own hash mark, so about 15 feet in front of his own net. Uh, and he's charging up the ice. Now, Alex Petrangelo is on his own blue line transitioning into a back skate uh, about 100 feet away from Nathan McKinnon. And on his mic top goes, oh, boy. And still gets burned by Nathan McKinnon. And I'm pretty sure the Avalanche score on that play. I just think that's far too funny uh, because you have an NHL defenseman, a decorated a NHL Norris. defenseman, a Norris Trophy winning yeah. NHL defenseman, looking Nathan McKinnon dead in the eyes from 100 feet away and going, oh, boy. <laughs> okay, that that does not bode a whole lot of confidence. If you're the Vegas Golden Knights front office staff, you're like, why are you saying that when Nathan McKinnon touches the puck? But I get it. I, I understand. I can't say that staring Nathan McKinnon down from that distance definitely gives you some form of happiness. I don't think it does. Uh, but that was just really funny. Um, for those of you that want to watch the video, it's on Twitter. Just look up Alex Petrangelo. It's on there. Um, another storyline that was kind of funny, uh, Matt, you're not going to enjoy this. Uh, I didn't enjoy it a whole lot either, but it is hysterical. Uh, so obviously the Bruins just shellacked the flyers. Um, seven to three, seven to three. It was really rough to watch, <laughs> uh, for us, but, uh, post game, there's the post game interview and, uh, David Postonok scored a hat trick. So they're obviously going to interview him. Uh, he comes out wearing these pink pit viper sunglasses. Um, and they ask him, they're like, look, it's, it's nighttime. Why are you wearing sunglasses? And in his thick accent, he's like, well, we were listening to Barbie girls in the locker room and, you know, I was dancing, but then they told me I had to come out here for the interview. So uh, I was wearing the glasses while I was dancing. So I forgot to take them off. Uh, however, uh, I was dancing and now I have to do this interview. So, Hopefully the song might still be on by the time I get back to the locker room. He was actually mad that the interview took him away from the ability to dance to Barbie girl with his teammates, which I just find far too incredibly hysterical to not talk about. That is also on Twitter. If you guys want to go look at that, cause that is far too funny. Um, <laughs> There's also some, something else I just remembered as you were telling that story from the Avalanche game. Uh, Pierre Edward Belmar thinking that the game was actually going to be played on the lake. Oh yeah, and then he was told it's not on the lake, and he's and he like, "I've never devastated. played on a lake." <laughs> he, was <laughs> he was devastated. He was so sad that it wasn't on the lake. Uh, yeah, you, 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 that's you, that that water was not going to be frozen. There was no shot. Um, but <laughs> that was really a, funny. A hockey player yeah. can dream. A hockey player can dream, and the fact that he's never played on actual frozen water is actually kind of sad. Now that I think of it. Um, and then the last storyline to kind of go over there is um, so the NHL was honoring a couple of frontline workers during their uh, during these Lake Tahoe games. And, and it was really nice. It was nice to see. However, the one's name has gotten meme fame all over the place. TikTok all over it. The man's name was Dusty Gooch. Dusty R. Gooch. And he has turned into a bona fide meme everywhere. Uh, I remember watching this video. Uh, he was there on night one for the Avalanche Golden Knights game. And then on night two, he was there again. And someone was like, ah, it's my boy, Dusty Gooch. And I had to bring it up because <laughs> it's just too good. Oh, gosh. I love how quick the internet is to make fun of things. It's too funny. I love it. I one love of the it bright so spots. Much. It's one it of the is. bright spots. 
Oh, goodness gracious. Good old Alrighty. Dusty Gooch. Good old Dusty Gooch. Uh, to move <laughs> on uh, into a segment that we started last episode, we are now going to continue. So last episode, uh, if you want to go look on our Instagram right now, actually, I highly suggest you do. We uh, put together all of our best rookies and uh, yes. who we put on the ice as what we are, our best rookies. Um now we are going to do the best second-year players, the best sophomores, if you will, and put our lines together. Uh, now, personally, I feel like I should get the chance to go first this time, since I did not fair. last That's episode. Fair. Uh, and then when we get to the juniors, Matt will go first, uh, and it'll be a great cycle. Um, so I'm going to start on the forward lines here, uh, if you would like to write this down, Adam, since I know that you're a stat guy. Uh, so I'm going to start... On second. Okay. Gotta, all right. All right. Got to get my my stuff together here. Uh. All right. You can go. Okay. I'm going to start at uh right wing with Denis Gorianov from the Dallas Stars. I feel like every time he's on the ice, the Stars have a solid chance of scoring or creating offensive pressure. He has proved to be an incredible force on the Stars. He proved it in the bubble last year, and he's still doing it this year. I think he's a great talent for the Stars organization. And now I'm going to move to the opposite wing at left wing. Uh, He moved there recently this year. Uh, with the kind of like the line jumbling that his head coach has done. I have Joel Farabee of the Philadelphia Flyers, number 86. Um, Luckily, I get the chance to watch him more often than maybe some of our fans do. Um, However, he has proven to be an offensive powerhouse for the Flyers. Uh, He bulked up a bit. He's a little more physical, and he has been proven to score really key goals and really key situations, and I think he's a great second-year player for the Flyers organization. Uh, Moving on to center. I have Nick Suzuki of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I look, he's just incredible. We saw it in the bubble last year. The kid's fast. The kid's hungry. The kid scores goals. Matt's pissed because he probably had Nick <laughs> Nick Suzuki at his center as well. Full uh, disclosure: I did too. <laughs> I, I do. I think he's incredible. I mean, I think that goes to show why all three of us have him at center. I think he's. I think he's a great force for an already pretty good uh, Montreal Canadiens team. Uh, moving to defense, uh, if we don't all three have the same two defensemen, I will be shocked. Uh, so up first, I have Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche. Um, that really goes to explain itself. The kid's incredible. He's an absolute dog offensively, defensively. Anything you ask of him to do, he will do with some flair. Uh, and then his D partner on this sophomore team of mine, I have Quinn Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, another incredibly young talent this year. I think he's one of the few leaders on this Vancouver team that's still kind of holding it together and getting wins where they can. Uh, obviously, they're a little bit underperforming in that North Division, but I think Quinn Hughes is an incredible player, and that is my sophomore team. I feel like you guys are a little salty that we I might have who's, picked up some. Who's guys. your goalie? Who's your goalie? Oh shoot! Totally forgot about goaltending, which is kind how of. How did funny. you forget the goalie? You're the goalie. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot that. I have Elvis Merzlikens of the you. Columbus Blue Jackets organization. Um, I got the chance to actually watch him live before COVID hit in 2020. Um, I think he. I think he's got a lot of talent. Uh, unfortunately, he just recently got injured, which is going to kind of make that goalie tandem in Columbus a little bit more difficult. Uh, however, I think he's a great talent. I think he can be a great talent for that Columbus organization moving forward. I mean, last season he had that like 10 game run of like letting up no more than one goal a game. The kid was absolutely incredible. So that's who I have in net. And that is my sophomore team now that I have a goaltender and not an empty there space in net. That would have been a pretty bad team if I had a had a, nothing in net. That would have been a pretty sucky team. You would have had to have gotten that walrus from the Geico commercials. Yes, agreed. What's his name? We water? would have had to do so. All righty, who's up next? Who wants it? You want to go? You want to go fish, and I'll I'll close this out. I'll go because unfortunately, besides actually two positions, my lineup looks exactly the same as Mr. Brian Bingham's. Yeah, These are things to come expect. I'm just saying. All right. But I'll start at center. Nick Suzuki. What a shock he's been. He was a big shock in the playoffs for how good he was. 
how much he was a pest and got under the play the skin of the Philadelphia Flyers. Nick Suzuki is my center. I think he'll be a consistently good, if not have a couple great years at center. Um, at right wing, I have Dennis Gorianov of of Dallas. He showed a lot in that Stanley Cup Finals run, and uh, a lot of uh, special teams play. On left wing, it's hard not to go Homer, being a diehard Flyers fan, and a person who's even ex- uh, even uh, raised my expectations of what he could do. Joel Farabee, he's tied with the lead, tied for in the team leading goals. And is in the top three in points, if not top two. Yeah, and honestly, been... honestly, not even as a Flyers fan. I think Joel Farabee is is just an incredible winger. I obviously I agree with you, but I mean, not even as a Flyers fan. I think he's an incredible sophomore winger in the entire league. He proved, yeah, he proved me wrong. I I I was kind of convinced last year that this kid might never not get to twenty goals or average twenty goals, and he's might get twenty goals in this shortened season. So. He's he's shoving, it, he's shoving it up your hoop sandpaper uh, finish there, especially by my own my own diehard team. Um, so that's our my forwards. It's exactly the same. So they are good on defensemen. Of course, I do have Kel McCarr because he is a Norris Trophy candidate. He is insanely good on both sides of the ice. And uh, he's going to be a star in this league for a long time. But, I mean, but I do not have the same Quinn Hughes as my other defenseman. I have Adam Fox of the New York Rangers, who has proven to be one of the few bright spots in the New York Rangers lineup, who, can been, who is very consistent and dependent on a lot of uh, roles that he plays for that team. So Adam Fox is my last defenseman. And my goaltender is Thatcher Demko of the Vancouver Canucks. I know Vancouver is having a rough season this year, uh, but he's shown that he could well be a starter for the Vancouver Canucks. I know he's kind of been a backup in this league a little bit, but last year and this year kind of really feel like his first two years of the NHL knowing who he is and being a star caliber. Uh, starter caliber goaltender so and plus Seattle might be able to take him quite possibly he's one of the options they could run with at goaltender so that is my team of Suzuki, Goryanov, Joel Farabee, Kel McCarr, Adam Fox and Thatcher Demko. That's a solid lineup buddy that is a solid solid lineup I can agree with everything you got there. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. So now I'm up. Oh and boy. <laughs> I have I think only three of the aforementioned players. Out of boy. Out of you guys. I purposely, Good for you, buddy. Good for I, you. I purposely went through as many sophomores as I could, trying to find ones I didn't think you guys would pick, and I still managed to pick ones you guys figured. I there was only one I knew you guys were gonna pick, and that was Kale McCarr. So I guess I'll actually start with my decor since we're, we're talking about McCarr. You really didn't see us picking Joel Farabee? You didn't see that one coming? I did. That's why I didn't take him. Okay, I was going to say. I was going to say. Because like, I, I wasn't sure how you were going to structure your teams. Because I was actually expecting Carter Hart to make an appearance in these two. But, you know, I haven't seen him yet either, so I digress. Uh, not with how he's played so far this year. That's fair. That was partly why I never touched him either. It's Carter. I consider Carter Hart Jr. because he did have some time. I'm ago, pretty sure. I think technically speaking, rules, he wasn't considered to be uh, an NHL player in that that first year because of the uh, amount of games he played. I think this is technically a sophomore season, but either yes. way, uh, I'll start with my decor since we were just talking about Kale McCarr touching everything. Um, for me, the way I structured this lineup, I had him pegged more as the offensive defenseman, kind of a la a uh, a Brent Burns or an Eric Carlson. If I can uh, pick some guys out of the Sharks. Uh, that I've watched. I feel like he's a good offensive producer, get a lot of assists, get a couple of goals here and there. Uh, to play more of the defensive role as his partner, though, I picked coming out of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mr. John Marino. I feel like uh, I've loved Watch him. John Marino right now, actually. Well, Pittsburgh, go. Washington. 
Um, I feel like he's kind of a, a defen- defenseman that came out of nowhere, as a lot of, I feel like, Pittsburgh's players kind of do. I feel like they have these gems that tend to crop up out of nowhere overnight and do really well. Last season, he was a plus 17. This season, uh, he's a plus three. I wish I had more of his, like, breakdowns as far as, like, takeaways, uh, block shots, that kind of thing. But, unfortunately, NHL's website doesn't have that, and I don't want to go digging. Uh, but I feel like he could play that back end while Kel McCarr is up there battling for the puck, trying to get assists and stuff like that. So that's my decor. Moving over to the forwards, I also had Nick Suzuki as my center. You guys touched on everything. I think he's a good uh, good man to have there at the faceoff circle. On his wing, though, I differ. And I have Mr. Max Comtois from the Anaheim Ducks. I feel like he's having a breakout season this year. Uh, netted himself. He is currently sitting on seven goals and four assists for 11 points in 19 games. Pretty solid. Uh, Considering last season, he only had 11 points. So he's already on pace to break his uh, career best and getting to watch him play against the Sharks. I feel like there's something there that the uh, the Ducks are going to have for a long while if they can keep him. Uh, On the right wing, I have coming out of Chicago, Dominic Kubelik. Uh, breakout season last year, 30 goal score. Uh, seems like his production slowed down a little bit this year. Only has 14 points, five goals, nine assists. But I still feel like he's going to be like the next generation of Chicago Blackhawk that could help lead this team to another cup. Uh, so those are my forward core in uh, Comtois, Suzuki, and Kubalik. And then in net, Elvis has entered the building. Mr. Elvis Merzlikens. Bing, you hit on pretty much everything. I loved his play. I love his... Um, I guess his aura, for lack of a better term, that he brings. There's just something about him I loved watching when I got to see his highlights and stuff like that. Um, And I feel like he very well could be either the goaltender of the future for Columbus or at least a very solid transitional goaltender until they can find themselves another uh, Bob Roski. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, he's got energy. He's just got childhood energy on it, honestly, when he plays, and it's kind of cool to watch. Great picks, Adam. Great picks. Love to see him. I thought they were very good. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Those are our sophomore teams next week. Stay tuned for our junior teams that we will get into should get real fun with those ones. Um, however, I am actually going to skip the Bing's betting corner, the BBC this week uh, due to the fact I don't want this episode to go too long. Uh, however, last week we went four and two. So those who are betting with me, we did pretty all right last week, depending on exactly where you put all your money. Um, I am going to touch on one thing, though, because Adam did bring up the Ducks. If you were listening last episode, I had an open letter to the Ducks asking oh, yes. them to please, please, please call up Trevor Zegers. And what did they do in less than seven days? They obviously listened to the podcast. They said to themselves, wow, <laughs> this kid out of Montgomery Township, Pennsylvania, really knows what he's talking about. And they called up Trevor Zegris. I had to say, thank you, Anaheim. If you want to send me free stuff, I get it. Uh, I'm basically a part of your front office staff now. You're welcome. Uh, either <laughs> either free merchandise or a paycheck will do. Um, I don't charge much, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> don't charge much. I don't charge much. I really don't. Um But let's wrap up this bad boy of an episode with the one, the only, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, the People's GM. Adam, what do we got in the first half of the upcoming season? Are we going to go three-peat here? Is this going to happen? I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I mean, we got to get through some of the nitty-gritty. I mean, uh, no cup-winning team is without its casualties due to the cap. Uh, we did have to let go of our backup goaltender and Alex Nedeljkovic. I believe this is how it's pronounced. I'll figure it out someday. Um, but Super I, Russian. I get it. Yeah. I mean, it's not a hard loss. Uh, he was getting to a point where he felt like he should be the starter of a team, and I completely agree. I felt like his potential was kind of – lost behind Connor Hellebuck. He did his service well. He won a, or he helped us win those two cups. So uh, we unfortunately had to part ways with him. I believe he was really the only major loss due to the cap that we had. There was a couple of like depth players that we couldn't keep. 
And yeah, speaking uh, speaking of that one A one B situation, you had yourself a pretty good one there in Winnipeg. Oh yeah, I mean that last season. I mean it was more of a a one A and a and a two, the way the last season played out. Considering Hellebuck played and won fifty games, where Alex only played and won eleven. So I mean, <laughs> we it was the option was there. I don't know what the coach was was smoking this season, but hey, smoking that good game. stuff. I, I would, yeah, whatever he's smoking, I kind of want some. He's a back-to-back champion, so like I would agree. There, I know? would agree. Um, but since he's gone, that does open a hole. And may I present to you rookie goaltender from the Manitoba Moose, Mister Joel Macho Man Savage, as I like to call him. I love that. I, I love that. <laughs> I, I figured it's great. It, it, com- <laughs> it combines my worlds tremendously. I love that. That's fun. Um, but, you know, preseason, there was a battle between Joel and our other uh, goaltending prospect, Mr. Brody Gleason. And there was well, that's pre- just a boring name in comparison. It really was. It really <laughs> was. Uh, it was a pretty close race, but Joel just edged uh, Brody a little bit. So I'm giving Brody some time back down in the minors with Manitoba. Fine tune his game and we'll see, you know, Connor Hellebuck's getting up there in age. Could be time for him to retire. Could be time for him to move on. Either way, team's looking pretty solid in net. Uh, so much so that we started Joel in his first game, and he won. All righty, macho man. One uh, stopping 22 of 24 shots in his first game. Final score of 6-2, to two, so the team's looking really dang good. Uh, moving on into the month of November, where Christian Veselainen, one of our, uh, you know, if you've been listening to the pod, you know the name, you love the name, helped us win the cup, our first cup, only a few years ago, uh, scored his 100th career goal. His fifth and fourth. Oh, good for him. And you boys will love it because it was against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, yes, sir. So you'll love to see that. Um, and going into the deadline, we currently sit at 40 wins, 16 losses, six overtime losses, and the team is just looking tremendous. Uh, Patrick Line sitting on a 38 goal, 29 assist season right now, 67 points in 62 games, and the points just keep rolling along from there. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this team is doing well enough that I think we're going to keep it. I don't see any reasons really to make a, a move until at least the draft where I might have to shed some cap. I know Dougie Hamilton, if he doesn't retire, getting up there in age, not, you know, he's still producing, but I think it's time to, to you know, move on from the older guys. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that's where we stand in the first half of the seventh year here with the Winnipeg Jets and I'm excited because boys it's looking like we're getting a third in the row cup let's do it man I love to see it uh that will conclude episode 12 of on the power play with the goons with the boys everybody who listens to this podcast we incredibly appreciate you you guys are incredible for continuing to follow along with us following along with what we love to do and we will continue to bring you all the content that we can um Adam is doing a great job. Even some merch. Uh, Yes, uh, those that are listening to this episode uh, tomorrow, uh, technically last night, after we record this episode, we are going to have a merchandise meeting with our production team at Southside Productions. Thank you to them. Uh, So that should be rolling out shortly. Buy all that up. Uh, Let me know what you like. Uh, let us know what you what you want uh, in merch because we'll give it to you. That is not a problem. We will give you that merch all you want. Uh, but thank you again for listening. This has been on the power play. Thanks again, guys.